This episode of the Disney Film Project podcast is brought to you by touringplans.com. It is the one-stop shop on the internet for figuring out how you are going to plan your Disney vacation, Disneyland or Disney World, it doesn't matter. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you want to figure out how to get there and not wait in line? This is how you do it, touringplans.com. Disneyland, you're trying to figure out how to get out there and how to navigate all the cool new stuff like Cars Land and Buena Vista Street and all that great stuff without having to wait in line? Touringplans.com. You can optimize your touring plans, check the crowd calendar, do all kinds of great stuff. Make sure you check that out over at touringplans.com. They're the sponsor of this week's episode of the Disney Film Project Podcast. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company. Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Disney Toon Studios, direct-to-video, in theaters, Blu-ray, DVD, projected on film, projected on the side of a barn somewhere. If Disney's had a hand in it, we try to talk about it here on this program and over at DisneyFilmProject.com. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with the folks you're about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find all of the great content that I just mentioned talking about those movies. You can find Blu-ray and DVD reviews, reviews of the shorts going all the way back to the 1920s, as well as show notes for this very podcast. So make sure you go and check out all of that stuff over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me, as always, are our fine film experts. First of all, a man known himself as a magic crystal, that's Mr. Todd Perlmutter. Yes. Although I don't do Christmas stuff. No. But you could be the Hanukkah crystal. I am a Hanukkah crystal. Well, I have a go. Hanukkah crystal, I guess. I don't know. You have to be a Hanukkah <laughs> light. Because there's no crystals for Hanukkah. There you go. There's no crystal. How do you know? Yes. I'm pretty sure I, about that. Up I'm until watching sure this, I didn't think there was Christmas crystals, so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, it's, you know, you never know. Uh, also with us, of course, the Internet's Rachel Kolb. How are you, Rachel? I am doing quite excellent. Just an FYI that I am still doing reviews for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over on Sound on Site. So be sure and check those out along with all my other writings on Just Press Play and Uproxx and elsewhere on the Internet. And it's really good this season. Yes, it is. It's excellent this season. Yes. And... Of course, our fine producer, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who makes us get this together on time and bring you guys this fine piece of um, somewhat entertaining fluff every week. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at CherylP3 or about.me slash CherylP3. How are you, Cheryl? Doing good. I found that whole helicraft crash to be very interesting. It was awesome. The old die in a fire air crash. Well, when you think Christmas movie, you think, you know, death and orphans, right? I mean... Uh, <laughs> um, just a heads up, I did watch this movie twice this week for the podcast, just so you know the level of dedication. Um, and you I, lived. And I, and I survived, yes. Wait, Rachel, do you have Netflix? <laughs> yes, I do. That means you, along with the rest of us... At least it's <laughs> At free. least you didn't pay for it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the best part about this movie. We didn't have to pay a penny. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I'm, I, I think I think I'm gonna be the oddball here because I thought this was kind of okay. It was. I, I think I'm not I gonna. Agree. I, yeah, I'm not gonna go good. I'm not gonna go quite that far. <laughs> it, it wasn't. 
to the point of distressing or anything like that. It was oh, right. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd agree with that. But I have one distressing <laughs> thing: creepiest yeah. looking Santa on the planet. Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah, that was disturbing. So, so just to clarify, in case you didn't read the uh, the episode title, we are talking about the 2010 direct-to-video film, The Search for Santa Paws. Uh, because, quite frankly, the demand for us to do this movie has been so high. Um, no, that's not true. Uh, because it's it's the holiday season, and we thought, it, what better way to celebrate than with another dog movie? A dog movie with Santa. Because we're running out of Sa- of Christmas movies is the real reason, <laughs> folks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we only have a handful left, and 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 we had to start. And we all it was either that or doing marathon of these, which I think everyone in the, everyone in the podcast would be revolting if we decided to do a a Santa buddies or Santa dog marathon. So yes. <laughs> yeah, this That's- is a prequel to Santa Buddies, which I did not realize, and that scares me. <laughs> yes, I didn't know this was the second one that takes place first chronologically. I had no idea. Uh, but yes, this is a movie that, as Todd mentioned, features the the worst Santa makeup you'll ever see, and he looks just very frightening. Uh, well, it, go ahead, Santa, Rachel. I don't think is the most... Santa is not the most frightening thing in this movie. There are so many other things that are much more frightening that are going on in this. Someone actually asked me to describe the plot of this movie, and it's basically a mix of Annie. I mean, it entirely rips off the plot of Annie. Throws in some Miracle on 34th Street, and then some dogs and a dead friend. So, Oh, yes. and also, also a uh, Central Park bum. <laughs> and, and a Boy Scout. Don't forget that. No, yes. <laughs> my notes refer to them as mugger and scout the entire time. <laughs> yeah, so, so here's what I was going to say is, you know, I was watching this and I expected um, Beverly Hills Chihuahua type levels of, of badness. Uh, and if you cut the dog parts out of the movie, it's probably all right. Oh, there was a little bit of a hole in the gap of the plot. <laughs> oh no no no! There was, there was there was no there was a hole in the gap of one of the plots. There there's and, holes all over the place. I'm just saying yeah. I could I could have tolerated this. Like if the parts when the dogs were on screen and talking to each other, I I didn't need those parts. But like when Quinn was on screen or even creepy Santa or uh, the the you know some of the human characters, I'm like okay. I mean, it's cheesy, it's schmaltzy, the plot doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, that sort of thing, I get it. But, I mean, like, you expect that from a direct-to-DVD Christmas movie, and it, as, you know, if you if you kind of squint sideways, you could go, okay, this isn't terrible. Well, they almost entirely drop the save the store storyline, which isn't even really save the store. They're just trying to make a profit so they can then sell the store. Right. Well, that's part of the plotline I'm talking – we're dropping here. <laughs> so it's save the store to burn the bridge. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there's not really a – there. I don't know. The plot is uh, a little odd. Yes, and Santa's magic Botox, as we discussed. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's funny though. Like we're saying, I mean, it's not honestly of all these animal movies that we've watched, it's actually not the worst. Yes. Okay, but uh, 
it, it does have a 64% audience rating because critics haven't bothered to rate this one, so on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should we should be sure that's that's exactly right, you know. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah, there's just nobody's written anything about it. There's an other Oh sorry, correction. The the guy who wrote the movie and directed the movie has this big huge interview that is just the biggest amount of useless fluff on the planet to read through. Yeah. Okay, so I, I got nothing redeeming to contribute from it. Wow. Yeah. Is that the pull quote for the movie? I got nothing redeeming to contribute <laughs> from it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. All right. Yeah, so so I have to say, like, I I write, or write, I have watched a lot of Christmas movies, um, and I've seen worse. So it, it wasn't the, it wasn't, as bad as I thought it was going to be, that does not necessarily mean that it is good. Let me ask you this. You have two children. I know one of them was not watching this movie. Uh, that's he, correct. He perfectly said that to me the other day. <laughs> the other one didn't... I, I'm not sure. Did she watch it with you? Uh, she watched part of it. I had to uh, break it up. But yeah, she watched the first part of it uh, and enjoyed it You know, to a degree. She wasn't uh, overly enthusiastic about it. Um, and when I told her that I would have to watch the rest without her, um, she wasn't all that broken up about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the only redeeming thing is listening to Comet talk in the movie, though, as far as the talking animals are. Yes. <laughs> That and the, that and the uh, appearances on TV shows are like out there. The like the TV reporting thing. Oh, when they keep interviewing <laughs> Santa Claus. Yes. I'm telling you, children were running for the television screen when they saw that Santa Claus. There's no way kids were happy to sit in that Santa's lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I couldn't find, I mean, I didn't really want to spend too much time looking either, so don't, maybe there probably is, but I didn't find any uh, references other than the fact that I brought up Comet because it's Dietrich Bader who uh, has voiced Batman for several years at this point, so. Yeah, he, well, he's also an alumni of Spin City, which there are several Spin City alumni that do voices in this movie. Yes, there are. <laughs> yes, like Richard Kind, who is like my favorite unsung actor. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's in this. He's he's in this. That's about all I can say. His voice is in it for like two sections, basically. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I got nothing else to add. Let's get right into it. Yeah, let's get, <laughs> let's get into the plot of this thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is like it's it's crazy because we talked about the fact that um you know the plot is is sort of broken, and it's because the, the this is a meandering sort of movie, which you'll find if you're like me and you watch a ton of Christmas movies. Most Christmas movies are um they don't have very strong like stories like we think of when like some of the marvel movies or the pixar films or things like that like most christmas movies are much more about scene and setting than they are about following a certain plot there are exceptions of course but you know this this one is it falls right in there so like the entire opening section of this is um yes this is a musical (laughs) <laughs> yep. And no, when I said that on Twitter, I was joking, or in the text yeah. or whatever I said, I did not know at that point it was a musical. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Todd sent us a note and was like, here's the here's the script and things like he normally does, and, and I believe it was Rachel who joked, well, hopefully it's a musical, and in fact, it is. 
because it, it opens is. with this big song and dance number at the North Pole between Santa and the elves. And I was watching that, and first, my first thought was, wow, that Santa looks bad. And my second thought was, but I kind of like the elves and the dancing and all that kind of stuff because, you know, it's let's get in the Christmas spirit. Yes. No, this this was my first thought when I saw this opening scene. I just felt bad for that dog having to wear booties for the entire movie because he was doing that awkward dog walk that dogs do whenever they have to wear shoes. Yes. <laughs> Are my feet touching the ground? Maybe. Are my feet touching the ground? Maybe. Are my feet touching the ground? Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he uh, you know, we open with the big song and dance number, and it's just, it's literally just setting the scene that, yes, this is a movie where we have Santa Claus and the elves, and, and all of this is going to take place, and Santa gets delivered a letter, which informs him that Mr. Hucklebuckle has passed away, uh, and his attorney has sent him a note to say, um, you know, thank you for being such a good friend, and that I've sent you the birthday present that he was going to give you. Sincerely, Mr. Stewart. Um, and and, and is, is that an It's a Wonderful Life reference, by the way? Because they keep doing that throughout the movie. Is people's names are from holiday movies. I've wondered that myself. Yeah. yeah. By the way, um, the impor- there's, there's a couple of things I just want to point out. Uh, we learned that Santa's and uh, Mrs. Claus have been married for uh, 1,600 years. Yes, that's right. right? Okay. Yes. Sure. And, and there's... And they're celebrating his birthday at some indeterminate point of time before Christmas. Yeah, because <laughs> it is it is completely unclear like what the time span is on this movie. Like it could be a couple of days or it could be a couple of months. <laughs> or it could be like um the Santa Claus movies where it it's like all one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, well the original one is like two nights but two different Christmas nights. So yeah. Right, yeah. Yep, my my note on this opening scene is happy birthday. Oh, and your friend is dead. Right, pretty much. <laughs> I'm also glad they didn't put 1600 candles on the cake. <laughs> yes. Although you have to think that would be a big cake, so that would be kind of cool. Yes. It didn't look like a real cake. It just looked like a thing to hold candles. Right. And so they they get the news that Mr. Hucklebuckle has died. And my problem with this at this moment is that I don't actually know who Mr. Hucklebuckle is, nor do I know why I care. Exactly. <laughs> um, other than the fact that he has a strange name that reminds me of Lowly Worm from the Richard Scary stories. Because <laughs> Huckle was Lowly Worm's friend, but, you know. Uh, and so it, uh, we get the first of our many Santa Claus puns because Santa says that Mr. Hucklebuckle was a great ambassador for the Santa cause. And I thought, oh, that's what this, that's what this uh, is going to be. Yep. <laughs> and actually, they keep, he keeps saying that, but they really don't get into that too much in the movie, actually. No, because they just wanted to use the pun. That's all they were there for. I, I'm pretty convinced, yes. Yeah. And so then we cut over to, uh, to the store, Mr. Hucklebuckle's store, where the two... I don't know if you'd call them main characters. There's too many characters in this, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're certainly – well, they're ancillary characters, but they're, they're central to the plot. So, Which is a problem, right? Your central characters should be central to the plot, and your ancillary characters should be, as per their name, ancillary to the plot. <laughs> yes. Well, like the elf and the elf dog. <laughs> 
as I said, too many characters. So <laughs> it's James and Kate Huckle because they have changed their name from Hucklebuckle to just Huckle. Uh, and they are opening Hucklebuckle Toy Store in New York City uh, because they have apparently inherited it from their grandfather, from James's grandfather, Mr. Almost Hucklebuckle. It. Uh, good point. Because Mr. Stewart, the aforementioned, who wrote to Santa, shows up and basically gives says, you know, sorry for your loss. So here's the key to your store to do with as you wish. Um, and James is like, that's good. We're going to sell it. The problem is, Mr. Stewart explains, you have to, in order to take complete ownership of the store, you have to run it for one Christmas season and make a profit before we can transfer the deed to you. And as per most Christmas films, James does not have the Christmas spirit, and he's too busy doing other things to do this sort of thing until finally he really has no choice. He doesn't really ever seem to not have the Christmas spirit he just no, seems to really thing. want the store money. Yeah. Well, he wa- he wants to sell it because he has to get back because he's an accountant and he has like a full list of uh, clients that he has he to has take care of. He has a job. What's what's wrong? I don't that. Well, I don't I think have, he does have, anymore. Well, by the way, my my argument here is he wants to go to a better climate because the other job is in Los Angeles and yes. he was in New York. So I'm guessing that the climate change may have been been also yeah. a factor. That's not even close if in my in my regard. I'm with you, Cheryl. <laughs> if I have to choose between those two climates. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also I think the only instance in which he's a curmudgeon about anything is that he points out the kids don't want to play with old fashioned toys because they don't sell video games and stuff. They do sell very old fashioned toys in the store. And also because he says happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. There's nothing wrong with saying happy holidays. I agree. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Because you never know. The person may not celebrate Christmas. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the deal. Um, James and Kate have to run the store. Um, and the store is very, very tiny. It's like the size of my living room, basically. Um, and, and I don't have a huge living room. Um, and there's a Santa chair in the middle. So they they get this great idea that, you know, they're going to run the store and they'll figure out a way to, you know, get a Santa and, and turn a profit. All right. So, so far we've had, we're like, what, eight minutes into the movie, we've had Santa that we've been introduced to, uh, Mrs. Claus, Eli the Elf, um, Richard Kind the dog. I don't remember what the dog's name was. No, no. Uh, uh, did we figure out, was the Elf Eli and the dog Eddie or the dog Eddie and the Elf Eli? I forgot what we figured out, Cheryl. The dog is Eddie. The dog, the is, dog Eddie. is Eddie. I remember okay. this. Yes, Eddie is the dog. All right. Uh, so we've been introduced to those four characters in the North Pole, James and Kate in the store. So eight minutes in the movie, we have, you know, let's say, let's call Santa, James and Kate, three main characters. We just get, now we get introduced to another one in the in Quinn, who's like the cutest little girl you'll ever see in a movie. And she talks like this the whole yes, movie. Yes, she does. Uh... <laughs> but she's adorable. <laughs> Yeah, and the movie has to remind us of this, literally from another character. Later on in the movie, someone actually says, oh, isn't she so adorable? Well, she is, to be fair. She's 
I, I would also argue she's not a very good actress, but she's also a very small child. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I think I think her, her the acting challenge in this was for her was can you be a young skittish girl? Um to Rachel's to Rachel's point, I'm gonna point out on IMDB most of her credits have been all the Santa movies and the dog movies. <laughs> she so she's a recurring character in the Buddies movies? That, um, she is a different character in Santa Paws 2, and she's also a different character in the Santa Buddies. That's too bad. It'd be kind of cool if she was like the Nick Fury of, uh, of Santa Buddies. <laughs> That would be kind of cool. Like she's, she's like, I'm here to recruit you for the Santa initiative. <laughs> for the Santa cause. Yes, for the Santa <laughs> cause, right. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yes, Quinn is being taken to an orphanage. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm with you, Rachel. This is where I was like, okay, so it's Annie or something of that nature that's going on here. Because we get introduced to Mrs. Stout, another character uh, that Quinn is b- being dropped off with. It's... You know, basically the whole idea is that, you know, she's she's just a horrible person. And we established that because she has no Christmas decorations up and she doesn't want to give the kids anything. And, and that's, you know, the basics, right? Like the, uh, there's no, no celebrating, no singing, no anything. And as soon as Quinn um, – you know, as soon as the social worker drops Quinn off, Miss Stout closes the door, yells for Wilhelmina to come and uh, show her the rules, and you know, basically leaves her with the other girls. So she's very rude, very mean, and we establish this because that? she doesn't have Christmas decorations. <laughs> By the way, at this point, I said in the movie, we're we're like twenty twenty five minutes into the movie at this point. To be honest. And my notes say, where are the dogs? Yes. <laughs> and see, my notes, which I didn't actually take, but if I had, they would say, thank goodness there's been no dogs yet. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, my my note here at this point, because they introduced the whole the whole bit with um with the foster mother, how she burns all their toys. Um, my note in this is that there's a this is a movie with talking dogs that also has a scene with toys burning in an incinerator. Talk about tonal shifts. Yeah, that's that's um, yes. <laughs> Especially after Toy Story three, this is quite upsetting. I didn't even think of that. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> You're right. But maybe, oh, that's, that's where, we, we, maybe that's where. Pixar got the idea from, right? Because this is this is before Toy Story three. Well, this came out twenty ten. Yeah, so I think it would have been the same year, actually. Yeah, maybe Toy Story. Maybe they ripped it off from Toy Story three. Toy Story three came out in the summer. I'm assuming this came yes, out. Yes, yes, it did. Yep. Toy I'm Story also came out that same year. I'm also going to assume that this movie did not take months and months of pre-production to shoot. I'm sure it took like a few hours. Yeah. (laughs) We established that Mrs. Stout is awful. Um, We get introduced to all the girls in the orphanage. There's Janie, Meg, Taylor, May. Um, Wilhelmina is the ringleader. She's the oldest. She kind of tells everybody what's what's what. I, I'm not really sure why the other girls are there or what purpose they serve other than window dressing. 
Yeah, exactly that window dressing. And to demonstrate the burning the toys thing. Right. Yes. Which is basically if she if Miss Stout catches them with any toy whatsoever, she burns it. We're not sure why. Nobody is sure why. Like it doesn't get her more money from the state, which seems to be her goal. Yeah. There's not a lot of good goals, motivation, and conflict in this movie, is what I'm saying. No, she's. I mean, she's clearly trying to channel like Carol Burnett and Annie. Um, but yeah, her her evilness doesn't really have a purpose behind it. Yes, but I do want to say her hair looks nothing like a hedgehog. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that either. They they said that the the girls say that, and I'm like, in what way? I don't understand. <laughs> On what planet? Do you know what a hedgehog looks like, sir? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So so we get through that scene, and we cut back to the North Pole, and Santa is still upset because his friend Mr. Hucklebuckle died, whom we know nothing about. I would like to point out that the whole crux of the movie is the death of Mr. Hucklebuckle, whom we know nothing about. Except yep. that he is the grandfather to the guy who wants to sell the store. Right. Yep. But Santa's very upset about it. We know that much. Uh, and so they've decided that they're going to give Santa a gift to to cheer him up. So they no. give him a stuffed dog. No, no. Well, Mr. Hucklebuckle this... gave him the stuffed dog. Yes. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. So they, they decide, but to cheer him up, they're going to take a magic crystal and put it around the dog's neck. And then the Christmas magic crystal that Santa has in a ice cave that resembles the Fortress <laughs> of Solitude <laughs> is going to make the dog come to life through Christmas spirit. And yes. we find out later that this crystal is also the same thing that keeps Santa alive because he's been he's so freaking old. Yes, because he says that the dog that's now been brought to life will be his best friend forever, for eternity. And I'd like, I, yeah, I'd like to point out, like, he just met the dog. Like, what if the dog, like, chews his shoes and stuff? I but, mean, but, it's a thing. Dogs he, do that. I mean, he's still going to be best jolly friends. Lee. <laughs> but we have a wacky montage of them becoming best friends. <laughs> yeah. So With, this, is, this establishes that they are best friends. I, with I the most it the Santa and Santa Paws <laughs> Yeah, with the most forced laughter you have ever seen. It's like it, it's so bad cuz like it's like they're it, it's exactly what you guys are saying. It's like, you know, hey, you know, they call the dog Paws. And it's, so it's like it's literally like the beginning of the courtship of Eddie's father. You know, you feel like yes. people let me tell you about my best friend. You know, I, I swear. <laughs> totally. Well, and it's it's so forced. Like, like you see, like, Paws pops out of the mailbag and Santa, you know, like he literally, it's like they know that the sound's not on. So they're just making the laughter bigger. You know what I mean? Like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, Paws, you're such a card. You know, all this kind of stuff. But they're not actually, like, saying the words. It's yeah. really bad. Well, it's edited together like one of those sitcom openings. Like, it's the sitcom of Santa and Paws. And you expect it to be, like, Santa as himself and Paws as himself. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, it, it is very much an intro to a TV show. Yes. Um, Santa and his dog. Well, it is direct-to-video, so... Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So 
we go back to to James and Kate who are are looking through the store and what the things that they need to do and what's interesting is that Mr. Hucklebuckle had made a profit of exactly 1 cent every year um which I would like to point out I don't think he could have survived for that many years no especially during the christmas season at a toy store like that if that's all you're making of a profit during christmas season the rest of the year is going to be terrible he was santa powered Yes, uh, but does Santa create, you know, rent and food? I don't know. Like I was going to say, <laughs> rent in New York City is not cheap. Well, he had to wait. The apartment was at the building. Don't forget. Did he own yes. the building? Yes. I, I think maybe he owned, since he, the apartment was in the toy store, he owned the toy store. Okay, so how did he eat, Cheryl? <laughs> I don't have an idea. Zoomy Santa took, came and took him to dinner. <laughs> Every night? You never know. Fair enough. Yeah, but anyway. But I, do have, but I did have the, I did, I, I do have that, I do have at least, we at least have where he lived. <laughs> Good point. You you made a little more progress, and I, I, I commend you for that. You were trying to do, you, you thought about it more than the screenplay writer. <laughs> I just want to point yep. out we never actually see anyone eat in this entire movie. So, uh, it may not matter. Oh, wait, no, we see the dogs eat. Oh, that's right, I'm sorry. We see the dogs eat the sausages, and we're, we get a cut scene just before the reindeer eat the it's candy. Like, yeah, the uh, shopping cart full of candy canes. <laughs> it, it, right, it's like supposed to be candy canes and fruitcake and gingerbread cookies, but... <laughs> Which is which is what I eat for dinner most. I days. wish I could be powered by that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting uh, that you're right. No, no eating. So we we do find out that you know that the store only had a profit of one cent, which becomes important later. And they try to figure out um, what they're going to do, and they they make up their mind that they're going to get a Santa. Um, what, what my favorite line though is like, where do you get a store Santa? And the answer was, I don't know the internet. Yeah, why not? Craigslist. Nothing. Sure. Nothing will go wrong. Right. Santa's absolutely. List. Ooh, I, trademark that, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Buy that domain. Does. Probably yeah. already happened. Uh, so then we go because this is a musical, and because we have Quinn. Um, we have to pull an American tail and have her stand on the the stoop and sing, or or the the whatever the balcony and sing about, about... Her loneliness from her dead parents. Yes. Yep. Bet you weren't getting dead parents in this movie, but you are. <laughs> yep. Dead parents and singing, and then she comes inside to show everyone uh, her her mother's favorite Christmas decoration. It's like a little I don't know if ceramic angel basically. Um, so they're trying to hide it so that it doesn't uh, get taken, um, which did not um, actually work. Well, later gets taken. Right. Yep. Much later in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying it just they, they were trying to hide it so that it doesn't get taken and it does not eventually work out so well. Instead, we establish that, you know, Miss Stout uh, takes a doll from one of the other kids and burns it. Um Basically throws it in the basement, turns the furnace on, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is a scary furnace. It's the furnace from Home Alone. Is it? 
it looks just like it because they have the furnace that it looks like it has face. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of wrote down the same thing. It's got a scary face on it, and I don't I don't know. Like I don't I so here's the thing. Like my parents lived, my grandparents lived in an apartment building, and there was an incinerator in the building, but you never saw it because you just opened the chute on the wall and dropped the stuff in. Yeah. Right, and it was all automatic. There was no big scary button on it or anything like that. I guess they exist like that, though. So, yeah, I, I, yep. I don't know. So, here, here's the part where I just did not understand what was going on. So, they make this idea that Santa and Paws are going to New York because the Christmas spirit is out of whack since Mister Hucklebuckle died. What exactly are they going to do about it? Well, they say that they're they're going to visit some other Santa ambassadors or something and uh, uh, talk to the children. But they think they're going to do this in like a minute or two. Like, I thought he was going like to like the Santa United Nations. (laughs) That would have been awesome. That That would have been cool. I mean, that's what I thought he was going because he was going to New York. He was going to like meet dignitaries and ambassadors. That's what I thought he was going to do. I th- I think if you wanted to do that, you just go to Macy's on Thirty Fourth. But you know, <laughs> if ever there was a place that all the the Santas were going to meet, it would be there. You're probably right. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't understand it. Like, I think it, it was obviously just a contrivance to get Santa into New York City. Which, by the way, I, I enjoy, like, that's, like, my one of my favorite things about many Christmas movies is just, like, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, Elf, others, is, like, watching Santa interact in New York City is just a fun thing to do. Yeah. Oh, and the, by the way, the, the trope from Elf of parking in the reindeer in Central Park. Yes. Yeah, um, and then... Another trope from Elf that is coming up here that is really not okay at all. Oh, the, the chase, chase the elf because it's a midget. Yes. Of, yeah. An elf thing. Yeah. No, that's it's not okay at all. Yeah, because what happens is like Santa and Paws start walking around the city. They actually run into Mrs. Stout and she knocks her hat off. And so we establish very quickly because Paws is telling her some things that if you don't have the Christmas spirit, you can't understand North Pole animals talking, which seems wildly inconsistent throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It comes and it goes so much. It really does. (laughs) Yeah, because like like we were talking about James earlier and how he wanted to move back to L.A., but does that mean he doesn't have the Christmas spirit or not? Because he can hear all the dogs. So, And then the other dogs that exist can talk to paws later, even though they're not North pole dogs. Yeah. Yep. Cause God, I think dogs can understand dogs. I think that was it. Animals could understand all animals, but, but then we're, we're humans and we can hear them. Well, then we had to have the Christmas spirit to hear them. Interesting. So again, inconsistent. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, and so we establish that, and then as she's walking away, Santa notices her hat in the road because – or, I'm sorry, Paws notices it, goes out to get the hat. Santa goes to save Paws and gets run over by a taxi. Yep. All of this I felt was very realistic. 
Well, he, he gets, does two. He does two things that you should never do when you're in New York. One, go after something that's gone into the street when there's traffic, and two, just stop in the middle of the sidewalk to talk to someone. You just don't do those things. Correct. Yeah, and so Paws is trying to figure out what to do to get him help, and as Rachel mentioned, he sees a little person and starts chasing him and calling him an elf, and it's wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. And then, so, a bum, we, we, we mentioned earlier that they parked the reindeer in Central Park, so there was a bum in Central Park who saw this and sort of followed Santa around and comes up and basically steals his crystal, uh, pretends to be a paramedic, um, takes whatever he can find off of Santa and sits Santa up and says, you know, you're fine, you're good, um, see you later, bye, and takes, but takes his magic crystal away, um, which, as of this point, we don't know what it's going to do. Other than the fact that, you know, apparently he can turn stuffed dogs into real dogs. Yep. And he calls him Bud. He says, I'm a bit in a of a hurry, Bud, um, which becomes important later. And then poor Paws is just wandering around. I did feel bad for the dog. This is the only point in the movie where I actually cared about the dog. Because the poor dog, like, he's never been out of the North Pole. And he's just wandering around New York City. Yeah, and he ends up sleeping under a Chinese takeout delivery van. While Santa is sleeping at the bus stop. Yeah. Merry Christmas, kids. <laughs> this, is, this is your Santa movie. <laughs> Honestly, so you're making the joke. Do you know, like, all the time, like, leading into this, I can't get out of my head. Do you, do you know that uh, the Baskin and Rast where they sing the year without a Santa Claus, that one? Yes, I think that's actually yeah. the name of it, right? All yeah. I can think is because it's Santa Paws. All I can think of is the year without a Santa Paws. Sorry. <laughs> That'll be next year, I hope. Yeah. Let's let's hope every year is a year without Santa Paws. <laughs> There's one more movie with Santa Paws, don't forget. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And so they tell they tell Santa, you know, Santa's wandering around and nobody will talk to him because he looks like a crazy person and he's creepy Santa. And so finally one kid talks to him and he says, All I remember, you know, he doesn't Santa has amnesia now. He doesn't understand what's happened to him. Uh, and so he just has this this idea that he's supposed to be going north, and so the kid tells him to take the north line. Um, and like you said, he sleeps on the bus stop and I thought that wakes. was actually brilliant by the way. Yeah, <laughs> not, not bad. Uh, and when he wakes up in the morning, he's outside Hucklebuckle toys. And so when he goes inside, they think that they have somehow through the internet or the lady that they called who told them there was no Santas now gotten a Santa. So they call him bud and he is now the Santa at Hucklebuckle Toys. Of course. Yep. They they don't need any ID, no, you know, social security cards to set up for his payment or right. anything. They're just they're just they're just going to pay him cash. Well, they give him they give him room and board basically cuz they he kind of says I don't have anywhere to stay and I, you know, he he does say that. They have that moment. So I don't think there was actually like pay involved. It's totally immigrant labor. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Well, he is from the North Pole, and that's not a country. It, it's true, but Antarctica is a country, right? Well, sure, but the North Pole is magical and exists in another realm. Good point. Good point. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that's the setup. And, and I actually thought that I, the whole Santa getting... Um, the whole Santa getting amnesia and ending up as the Santa, like, you know what? 
I didn't think that was that bad. It's kind of cute. I expect that sort of thing from from a lot of Christmas movies and things like that. I thought that was kind of it's an interesting concept. I mean, sure, it's cheesy and schmaltzy, but you know, you expect that sort of thing from well, from these movies. It's like from Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah. And uh, when Kermit gets hit on the head, and then he doesn't remember who he is. Yeah. Again, we're just taking from other movies. We have Annie, Miracle on 34th Street, Muppets Take Manhattan. But to be fair, like, most most movies these days take from other movies. Yes. There is so, that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with taking from something else as long as you do it well. Um, I'm not going to say they did it well, but, like, that part of it was, like, the least objectionable part. The part that where the, the whole orphans and the dogs... Like, you didn't need both of those. You needed an orphan or a dog. You didn't need both. Exactly. So, Mrs. Stout, uh, we cut over to her and the orphanage, and she's going out to get her hair done. And so Wilhelmina fills in Quinn on the fact that, you know, whenever Mrs. Stout goes to get her hair done, it takes two hours, um, and I go out, and Quinn, you know, tags along with her. And they go over to the Hucklebuckle Toys shop, and, you know, Bud the actual Santa is trying out the Santa chair to be Santa. And so Quinn comes in to go and see Santa and she gets asked by Kate, like, are you here with your mom and dad? And all all she says is they didn't make it. I know it's like, it's so sad. But she says it like, (laughs) (laughs) she does. Uh, This character. I know, I know you guys find her cute. I just find her annoying. Oh, well, I, she is cute to a point of annoyance. I, I, I right. totally give that. Yes. I think she's – like, like I, you know, I teach Sunday school and stuff, and, like, I've had kids like this in my class. And, you know, like, I just I was, like, looking at her, and I remembered another kid that I knew and stuff. Like, so I like her, the actress, I think. Uh, the character is annoying. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, but she asks Santa for the bike in the window of the store because Wilhelmina wants it. Um, and she wants, she wants to cheer up the girls at the orphanage. Um, you know, she wants all of that. And she asks Santa for that, even though Wilhelmina doesn't necessarily believe in Santa Claus. And so they start arguing about, you know, whether or not, uh, Santa is real and those sorts of things. And and what what's going on with that, uh, you know, why why Will believes and why Quinn doesn't believe, and then we cut back to the store and Kate's asking, you know, what what was asked for and what wasn't that sort of thing until and, and it's 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 so weird because like a lot of this movie is just like treading water until we can figure out that Santa is the Santa at Hucklebuckle, like from this point, yep. like it's basically like just filler. And also racially stereotypical dogs. Yeah. I feel like that's a trope at this point. Like, this is a trope. Okay, this is a trope for the Buddies movies. Um, Since this is our first Buddies movie, um, I've taken some time on my own and watched some other Buddies movies. Um, and I've learned that this is a trope for the buddies movies. So this is where this is where it comes. This because Todd has actually said like this is the tenth in the series. So this is why you're getting it is because 
the producers must continue this trope for the series. Of course. I just have to note that during the scene in which the dogs were introduced, um, Eric made the comment jokingly that it wouldn't be completely awful until the one dog was wearing chains and a sideways baseball cap. Um, (laughs) Needless to say, by the end of this movie, that dog is wearing chains and a sideways baseball cap. Yes. See, I wasn't sure until until later. I knew for other movies there was a sideways baseball cap. In this one, I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be a yarmulke or not. Uh, So, yeah, Paws meets these other dogs. These, um, you know, we got a Jamaican dog. We got a street dog. Uh, I don't even remember what the other one was. Scottish. Okay. It's a Scottish Scottish. dog. Because it has a kilt. Of course. Uh, And he's, you know, he's telling them he needs to help. He needs help finding Santa Claus. And if they help then he will get them off the naughty list, which they are on because they stole sausages from somebody. Well, specifically from Sal's kosher deli. They stole them to live. Why is that a bad thing? I mean, stealing is bad, but come on, they're dogs on the street. Maybe maybe they've done other things to to be on the naughty list. We don't know. Yeah, they're not very nice dogs. We don't know. Like, they're... They're pretty nasty to him when he comes up to talk to them. Like one of one of them says uh, for him to leave him alone before he bites him in the chew toy, which I don't really want to know what he means by that. The tail. We'll go with that. Yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes, the tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They end up getting caught by the dog catcher, uh, and before we can resolve Wait, that, who also doubles as Mrs. Stout's boyfriend. Yep. Double duty. That is true. Yeah, and he has like one of those old-fashioned dog catcher nets. He do, he do. which he tries to get paws with, but he, he he fails because of the crystal. Yes. Yeah, the because of the powers of the crystal. The this crystal is full of dogness. Yes, it's very impressive. And so, uh, when Quinn and Wilhelmina get home, they get caught by Mrs. Stout, and so the consequences for breaking the rules are you have to spend the night in the basement, so Wilhelmina gets shoved down into the basement and, and locked down there all night with no dinner, uh, so that's, she, and she always, and she says, new kids always get me in trouble, um, which we wouldn't know, because this is the first one we've seen. Uh, and then Paws figures out how to bust out the other dogs. I don't know, that's the other problem I had with this, is like, the editing on it, like the re- the cuts, but like, why did we need to go see Wilhelmina get shoved in the basement before he went to get these guys out of the out of the the dog catcher vehicle? These movies do have bad cuts, right? And I don't know, no idea why this guy does it. I'll just agree with you. These movies are not made for adults. That's why they have bad cuts. I, I guess, <laughs> yeah. He manages to free them, and they say, "Yeah, we'll keep our eyes out for Santa." And we're, I'm not really sure what that accomplishes. So, and the, you know, Paws says, okay, thanks, and but he still doesn't know where to find Santa. Um, he's been wandering around now for, like, three years. Doesn't know what he's doing. Meanwhile, we have this, like, kid in Central Park that wanders up to the reindeer, which, by the way, the reindeer is sitting in Central Park. It's been at least two days now, and no one's noticed. So, meanwhile, in Central Park, like, nobody's noticed that there's reindeer sitting there for the last two days? Nope. 
until this like Cub Scout wanders up. It's New York. Maybe nobody cares. Also could be true. Didn't think of that. Um, he wanders up and the reindeer start talking to him and say like, hey, Santa's been gone. Could you just go find him for us? That'd be awesome. We're going to stay here. Anyone else find that very weird? A little. Well, no, they explain that they can't go because they can't really move well without the crystal. Right. I get that. And it also means that they have to animate them moving more. So (laughs) so I don't think they want to pay for that. Like, they literally say to this kid, you know, I think his name's Jimmy, right? Uh, They say to Jimmy, hey, can you just go find the real Santa and bring him back? That'd be awesome. We're going to stay here and chill. I mean, that's basically what they do. Yeah. Yep. You have a problem with this? I don't think we should be entrusting Jimmy with this job. Yep. I think he was the first one, obviously, they've come across that they could understand, so... Why not entrust Jimmy to this job? At least he could understand and translate. Maybe, hey, Jimmy, could you go get some help? Hey, Jimmy, could you, you know, make a phone call? Hey, Jimmy, call Eli up at the North Pole. Tell him Comet sent you. Something? But there are holes in that. There are more holes in those series. Because he, he would have to have a number for, for the guy at the North Pole. He Comet would... could give it to him. <laughs> Well, clearly this isn't like the sled from the from the Santa Claus where there's like all sorts of technology in it. Otherwise, there would at least be a radio, if not a phone, back to True. the North Pole in the although, sled itself. Although later, when, when you know, spoilers, the elves come looking for Santa in, in New York, they have all this beacon technology they can track him with. Yep. So, again, inconsistent. Yep. Agreed. So, so Jimmy runs off. To, you know, apparently save Christmas. Um, and we don't need anybody else. But we go back to Paws, who runs into Quinn. And Paws starts talking to Quinn. And says, you know, I'm looking for Santa and I can't find him. And one of the things to back up that Quinn had said is, like, we need something to, um, you know, to to cheer up the girls in the foster home. So, can you know, like maybe a puppy or something. And so here comes Paws, like, you know. She says, oh, well, you must be the guy. Come with me. And so he comes in, comes into the, uh, and, and goes to the, to the orphanage with her. And he, she, like, kind of locks him in a closet so Mrs. Stout can't find him. Uh, and they can, and they sleep in the closet. And he decorates out the closet. With his magic crystal. Yep, that magic crystal. I want a magic crystal that does decorating for me. Well, boy, if it was like Christmas decoration, actually, I'd say you probably wouldn't like it, but actually, you would probably love it. So I would adore it. <laughs> awesome. I might use it all year. Uh, but anyway, so and then we go back to the store, to Hucklebuckle store, and apparently, you know, Bud the Santa is a Christmas sensation. Like all the kids love him. He's suggesting to some of the kids that you know. He's telling other kids to buy presents for kids in need. Um, it's just, it, you know, like it's all this sort of thing. It's the store. He's saying that the store is giving a free present to a needy child with every, with every purchase or no, like, every hundred dollars sold. Well, they say that later. Yes, and okay. in the beginning, it's with every purchase, and then once the 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 younger huckle buckle. 
um, gets wind of that, they they change it to um, hundred dollars because he's worried that then then they definitely won't make a profit if they keep giving it. But she's saying, "Oh, we are making purchases. We are getting purchases out of this." So that's when they come up with the hundred dollar number. Right. It's it's not clear. I will agree. Again, yeah, it's not clear. <laughs> it's not clear, but it's it's there. You just have to find it. <laughs> and so they end up, you know, the, this is like a big deal. Um, you know, like I, we can skip ahead a little bit because like there's a whole thing with Quinn and um, she introduces Paws to the other orphans and Wilhelmina doesn't can't hear um, can't hear Paws talk, even though the others can. And so they're still trying to figure that out when, like, all of a sudden the media descends on Hucklebuckle Toys. Yep. Yep. This is like the, like like Rachel was saying from 34th Street because this is where, you know. Yeah. Exactly that same thing where, where the media comes up and this toy store suddenly is becoming famous. Right. So, yeah, we just, we just need a courtroom scene with them declaring that he is indeed Santa Claus. Right. So the next part of this is where where I started being where I started being like you know like I I actually enjoyed this like I enjoyed that part of the media coming in and all that stuff because like you guys said it's reminiscent of other movies and things like that. Where I was where things started to really fall apart like up to this point it wasn't too bad but it wasn't good. Um, where it started to really fall apart for me is Mrs. Claus sends for Eli the elf right and. She says, you know, Santa and Paws should have been home by now. Um, check the map, figure out what's going on, and they see that Santa and Paws aren't together. And she sends Eddie and Eli, the, the elf dog and the head elf, to New York to find them. So now we have Eddie and Eli on the trail of Santa. We have Paws, who is hooked up with the orphans, on the trail of Santa. And let's not forget little Jimmy. And none of them are doing a very good job. Well, little Jimmy is. Because little Jimmy's interviewing all the Santas. He's got little up Jimmy to, was thorough. He was, he was up he to was. 65 Santas at one point. It's 65 and then later... I'm oh, sorry, 63. Oh, sorry. And then later on, it's 122. So little Jimmy was getting results. Not the right one, but at least he was getting results. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. He was actually making something happen, so, you know. And he is ultimately the one who shows them the way to Santa. Yep. Which yep. makes me question why they needed everyone else looking for Santa. That I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I mean, I understand the APB for Santa. I get that. I mean, we got to save Christmas. That makes sense. Uh, it's just from a storytelling standpoint, why do we need 700 people looking for Santa? Yeah. Okay. See, if they had sent the prep and landing people, they would have found him, like, in a minute. Totally. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. They don't have the gear. Well, actually, can can we back up a second? Please. First of all, Santa takes the sleigh, and it takes him like a day and a half to get to New York City, near as I could tell. Right? Yeah, it does take, seem like it takes forever. Okay. Yeah. But when they take the magic postal truck, because I don't know what else to call it, <laughs> it literally, it's like the uh, car in Back to the Future time traveling. It goes, and it disappears, and it's where it needs to be next as next time you need to see it so back at the store uh bud santa the real santa is you know not feeling well he's you know he's seen all these kids and he has to go lay down and everything uh and the next day james actually dresses up as santa 
because it's the only way he can get Bud to take a break. And Quinn has to go with Paws to the to the place to Hucklebuckle Toys because they think that might be Santa or Quinn does. And when they see James dressed up as Santa, they realize she says, "Oh well, that's not him." Or pa- no, at he, least Paws, Paws does. does yeah. yeah, Paws does. Yeah. So when that happens, then of course you're like, to me, I was like, oh, because that means that we're going to have to um, extend the movie for another 30 minutes. <laughs> yep. That was really the only reason for that mix, mix up. Mm-hmm. Because like shortly thereafter, you know, like Jimmy comes into the store, talks to Santa and gets the pin. Talks or to actually, I think Santa. it's. Yeah, I was going to say, talks to the real Santa and gets this pin from him, um, which later is the way that everyone realizes, oh, that was the real Santa because that's Santa's pin. Yep, his North Pole pin. I'm kind of sad that I know that, but it's his North Pole pin. (laughs) North Pole pin. Yeah. Uh, And so Quinn goes back to the the orphanage, um, and because it's been too long since we've sung a song, uh, Paws has to use his magic crystal to transform everything into Christmas decorations, and we have to sing about the Christmas spirit. Well, it's a Christmas movie. I would hope they would be singing about Christmas spirit. And Fair enough. Sing, well, they, they are, and they sing to Will to inspire her to recount, recant and come back to Christmas spirit, near as I can tell it's all purpose of the song. And also to give them some pretty dresses. That, too. Well, you know, magic crystal. Yes. Magic crystal is the best. I it do kind of want a magic Christmas decoration crystal. I have to I look know. into this. I totally know you do. Yeah, I do. All right. So there, this song goes on. It feels like most of the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little long. <laughs> Yeah. But it involves it's, pretty colors. It does, and the girls all get pretty dresses to wear and all this sort of thing, and of course, Miss Stout walks in, and since we've now figured out that the magic crystal is so important that everyone wants it, she takes it from the dog uh, and locks the dog and Wilhelmina in the basement because, of course, Wilhelmina had to have had something to do with it when she actually did not. Yeah. You know, it just occurred to me, she keeps getting up in the basement, and there's some commercial from when I was a kid that was about Wilhelmina in the closet. It, I don't remember specifically what it is, but I swear that was the the whole plot of the commercial. Anyway, continue. Yeah. And so Wilhelmina and Paws get locked in the basement. She, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Scoot takes the, the crystal away, and she also takes the Christmas decoration away from Quinn and throws it in the incinerator. Yeah. See, at this point, I would almost think with the way that the magic crystal works, and I know that the magic is really inconsistent in this movie, but you'd think that, like, maybe their dresses would change back to their normal clothes, kind of like Cinderella at midnight. But they get to keep all of the stuff that just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the magic of paws. (laughs) Not the crystal. Paws. Uh, and yeah, and Wilhelmina is like snuggling up to pause. She finally is able to hear him and they go to sleep. Um, the next morning at the Hucklebuckle store, Bud basically collapses. And so they have to take him to the hospital. 
So we're like Santa's failing, and it's the black moment of the film. Yeah. You know, Santa, yeah. Santa's health is failing, and then we cut over to Wilhelmina, and it turns out that Paws has turned back into a stuffed dog, and Wilhelmina is distraught. Yeah. True. True. It's very dark. It's very sad. And so the media has to get back into the story talking about the fact that the Santa is, from Hucklebuckle is now um, sick. And the problem is James and Kate don't actually know who he is or any of that stuff. You know, that W-2 that they never filled out would have been a good idea. Yep. <laughs> Background check. Yeah, something. So they can't, like, contact next to Ken or do anything for him, um, which is problematic. Yeah, you would think that at the North Pole, since they know that Santa's missing, maybe they would check, like, the local news or something. And then they could be like, hey, look, there's this guy that no one knows who he is, and he's been playing Santa Claus, and he's in the hospital. Maybe they could check that out. No, instead... He's been on the news, like, 50 times before that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Instead, they have to use their Santa tracking beacon which yes. I don't understand what they're tracking because they end up actually tracking down to um, Gus, the guy that robbed Santa, who's been gone for, what, it's 45 the minutes? They're tracking it's the, the crystal. crystals, not the people. Yep. Right. That's well, but he's been, but like Augustus has been gone for like 45 minutes. Like yeah. We haven't yep. seen him. Well, no, we did. So he kept, remember he takes over the street corner at one point from the one oh, Santa? Oh, yeah. And then yeah. we keep yeah, seeing yeah, him yeah. grow like, progress towards looking more and more like Santa. So and it's we also, the Santa yeah, and we all, when Jimmy also went to um, interviewing. Jimmy had seen, had found him and already had and said, you're not really Santa. And kept going. Crossed him off the list. Yep. Yeah, good point. Okay. So, but we see him and now he's like, he's full Santa. He's on, he's... he's Tim uh, Allen Santa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so Eli, you know, figures it out like, hey, you took the crystal uh, and that's why you're turning into Santa. Give me the crystal back and then we got to find Santa because without – if Santa doesn't have his crystal, he could become mortal and eventually – and he never says what we eventually we would Yeah, we don't want to talk about what eventually would happen, kids. Yeah. So they got to find they Santa. The yeah, they don't. They don't stay in the movie. So they got to find Santa and give him his crystal back. Um, and strangely enough, they just – they wander over and they find the reindeer that no one else has noticed. And so they, you know, they have to figure out how to get the reindeer ready to go once they find Santa. So they send Gus on the mission to get the fruitcake, eggnog, gingerbread cookies, and all those sorts of things that they have to have to take care of the reindeer. And then Jimmy wanders up to report back to the reindeer and he tells them, you know, this is where you need to go. Or I'm sorry. They find they find where Paws is. They go that direction, and that's when they they run into Jimmy, who has the pin, and they figure out where Santa is. Yeah. Yep. It took a lot of people to find Santa. Yep. Yeah. A, a lot of characters that we didn't really need. That all apparently, like Rachel said, don't watch the news. <laughs> We have to have the dramatic scene, like, what what it reminded me of was, like, the Living Daylights, the Bond movie, where Timothy Dalton's about to fall out of the plane. Dun, 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 so we have paws being thrown, the stuffed paws being thrown in the incinerator, and, we, and Quinn has to, like, crawl through the incinerator to save him. 
And it's finally the elf who goes, turn the power off. <laughs> like, she's been crawling through the thing for like five minutes, and they're like, um, yep. turn the power off? That would Good be plan. the easy way. Good plan. Yeah. Yeah, and she's been crawling in there for five minutes because this incinerator moves so slowly. Like, the conveyor belt just, like, moves an inch, maybe an hour. Yes. Uh, yes, basically, yeah. Yeah, I got, I got nothing for that. I wanted to say that also when they, when they uh, bring him back to life. Yes. Right? Man, they just, like, hook the thing on his collar, and it's, like, it's not even, like, on the collar. Like, if you look at the hook on the end of it, it's just going to fall right back off. I'm thinking that's not a good plan for something that keeps the dog alive. Truth. Very true. I think uh, this is a temporary patch. Could be. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a patch feature, and then they're, they're going to install the full update later. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, they kind of do. Well, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I wasn't joking. That's what they got to do. Paws needed an entire software upgrade, but uh, they take Paws over to find they 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 figure out where Santa is. They go to Hucklebuckle. Uh, they find James and Kate, and it's like this is this is the part of the movie where the fact that they have so many characters makes no freaking sense because it's like James and Kate are so sad, and then they're confronted with a talking dog, two talking dogs, I might add, um, yep. an elf, and two orphans. And and they go, okay, we'll do what you guys say. Yeah, and oh, they all and, rush off. And one of the talking dogs is wearing a taxi driver uniform and little taxi booties. <laughs> true, true, that is. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's what my cats are wearing right now. Yeah. <laughs> though, though, to be fair, it's not often you get to see the mugger, the Boy Scout, the bunch of orphans, an elf, two talking dogs, and two grown adults run around the city together. Nor should you, I would I would argue. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, yeah, but they do. That's that's the story. So they do that, uh, and they go to the hospital, bust Santa out of the hospital, and saying that they need to take him to the North Pole. Rather than take him to the North Pole, they take him back to Hucklebuckle Toys. Can anyone explain that to me? It's a magical place. But they literally no, do that say, would be like, we got it. Yeah, good point. <laughs> they, they do say we got to get him out of there and get him to the North Pole ASAP. Instead, they take him to the toy store. I I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that confused me because I was like, okay, I'm with you. We're going to save Christmas, save Santa, give him his magical crystal. We got to get him to the North Pole. I assume there's, you know, we'll hook him up to the big crystal. We'll install the new software and everything will be good. Um, no, we're going to take him to the toy store. That seems like it would exacerbate the problem. It could, could very well. Yeah. Uh, me, in, the, in the midst of all this, by the way, the, uh, the orphanage is shut down because uh, the social worker comes by and, you know, Wilhelmina and Quinn are gone. And it tur- Eli the elf had called and said, like, hey, these girls are being mistreated. And that's the end of, of that storyline. The end. Yep. No, wait, there's more. And so. They manage to get Santa into the toy store, and Paws says, you know, they, they give Santa his crystal, but it's not enough because of all the Botox. And <laughs> Paws says, well, just give him my crystal. Put my crystal next to his, and that should be enough um, because I'll sacrifice myself because 
the children of the world need Santa Claus, which is true. It's a true statement. Like, the kids need Santa. And so Paws sacrifices himself for Santa so Santa could live. And he turns back into a stuffed dog. And then Santa says, only the great Christmas icicle can save Paws now. So point of order. <laughs> What's the what problem? they're wearing around their necks is our crystals, correct? Yes. We've been told yep. this many times. Yep. yep. But they derive their power from the icicle. That's correct. <laughs> Clearly, they're white lanterns. Interesting. Interesting theory. Wouldn't they both be crystals? How does an icicle interact with a crystal? I, I, I was confused. I think that they didn't explain it. Again, this is not a plot hole. That the, that the crystals were like a sub... Like Todd's saying a lantern. It's like a subset of the magic crystal. The icicle. So... What you're like saying they, is you don't know. Like they just broke off part of it and put it in the thing that's hanging around their neck. Yeah, I think so. Or Why they, doesn't or, it melt? I don't know. <laughs> because it's a magic icicle. <laughs> it's so confusing. It, it's very, yeah. So they do manage to, to get Paws back to the North Pole and they put put him in front of the icicle, put the put the the crystal back on his neck. It doesn't work. Guess somebody forgot to plug it in. I'm I'm guessing. I don't know. I I don't really know. It needed two twenty and only had one twenty or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, the you know Santa's upset. He's like, you know, oh, the icicle just doesn't have enough magic because Christmas is so close. Well, they had said once, once that that once Paws had given up, that they weren't sure they were going to get him back. Anyway, the elf had said that. So yeah, because he said we already brought you back once after they took the crystal off from around your neck. Yeah. So it's a lot. Yeah, uh, but when Santa sheds a tear, all of a sudden things change completely because Santa sheds a tear and falls on the ground. It somehow interacts with the Christmas icicle which blows huge magic out the door and turns Santa Paws from a puppy paws into you know, giant um, fabulous paws voiced by Mitchell Musso. That, that's all I got. I don't, I don't know what... I don't know why that happened. I guess because, because it's a prequel and that's, I get, I haven't seen the other movie, but I'm guessing that's right. what he looked like in the other movie. Honestly, I thought the smaller dog was cuter. Yeah. I agree. I would say the order of cuteness is the alive small dog, then the big small, the big real dog, and then the actual toy dog is the least cute of all the dogs. Oh, I thought you were going to say Quinn. <laughs> 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 All right, keep going, keep going. And Nothing so, look at here. Uh, I mean, what ends up happening is, uh, you know, Paws and uh, Wilhelmina, or Paws and Wilhelmina, Paws and Santa. Uh, Paws gets renamed Santa Paws, hence the name of the film. Uh, and we cut back to the orphanage, and um, the girls actually come back into the orphanage with James and Kate, and it turns out that, you know, they're going to adopt them, uh, and so, you know, they've that that's sorted out, 
Um, and we go back to the North Pole, sort of a. And don't forget, it, they had shown the um, the robber the robber guy with the foster lady. Yes. And I thought they were going to come a couple and 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 take take care of foster children children together. I got that. I got that impression. Yeah, because every Disney movie needs to end in a wedding. So if we're if if we might as well pair these two up. <laughs> yes. And so uh they they get adopted and uh we go back to the North Pole for another song. Because why would you not? Uh, more singing and the other dogs that were looking out for Santa uh, show up in the North Pole and get turned into helpers for some reason. I don't really know why any of those were actually there. They stowed away yep. on the um, post- magic postal truck. Yep. Yeah. But there's no reason for them to be in the movie is kind of my point. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Santa takes off um, and goes and visits Wilhelmina and James and Kate um, to show that Santa Paws has returned and uh, they're all happy to see each other. And it's amazing what happens when they spread love and kindness is basically what they what happened there. <laughs> uh, and Paws brings back the Christmas decoration that we thought was in the incinerator to Quinn. Because he rocks. It's very touching. Uh, and then the very, very end of the movie is, you know, Mr. Stewart comes back to Hucklebuckle Toys on Christmas Day. And James and Kate have decided they're going to keep the store. They introduce, you know, him to their ch- their new children, Wilhelmina and Quinn. And they say, you know, hey, we're just going to keep the store. And we made a profit of one cent. It's so Get touching. It? Get what they have in there? No. No, I don't. <laughs> they don't explain it at all. No, because it doesn't make any sense why they only make one cent in profit and still have a place to live. Yeah, and get the guy's wish. an accountant. How, how, how is it that he's an accountant and he didn't manage to figure out a way for them to make more money? He really cooked the books, I guess. I, it's all I can think of. Yeah, I, I know we're harsh on it, but it's a cheesy Christmas movie. And that's... You know, you get a lot of that in, in, in Christmas movies. You know, you get a lot of cheesiness. So I, I did not have as big a problem with it as I think Rachel sounds like wanted to throw things. Yes, I did. <laughs> this movie just... <sighs> I mean, it was it was all bad enough. And then those dogs showed up. The Jamaican dog and the black dog and the Scot- Scottish dog, and it just was so much worse. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, so, anything else you guys want to add before we rate Santa Paws? Um, well, I was I recognized the girl who played Wilhelmina, and I looked her up on, on IMDb, and she is best known for playing the Rock's daughter in the Game Plan. She's also the president starting in the Disney Channel series Cory in the House. Which is what she did after the game plan. Disney Channel, I guess, decided they liked her and they kept her. and she's done stuff with them since. I, I will I will say this. I you know, uh, we'll we'll move on into the ratings. I will start and say that I would actually give it a two. Um because I think I would actually watch this again. I don't think it's that bad. Um, it's not. It's definitely not good. 
Um, but you know, around this this time of year, I would I would give this more of a pass. Like if you tried to watch this in you know June, you probably I, I would have a big problem with it. But you know, as as a Christmas movie, um, it, it's not bad. I don't think it's one that you're gonna watch and be like, oh, I don't want to have Christmas now. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, Cheryl, what do you think? Well, my problem is the same one that you had with the Mr. Hucklebuckle senior story. But I did like it. And I did have those moments where I thought it was sad. So I'm also going to give it, I think, a 2.25. Harsh. <laughs> well, then what do you have to say, Todd? No, no, I'm kidding. I, I, I... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I could really never see this movie again and live a happy life. Not that it's bad, it's just, you know, it's still talking dogs and singing orphans. At the end of the day, that's a lot. <laughs> and so for <laughs> for me, I'm going with one and a half. All right. Uh, Rachel, I'm afraid to ask. I'm actually kind of right there with Todd. I'm going to give this a one and a half. It's not as offensive as something like one of our dinosaurs is missing, but it's still pretty awful. And the plot is just needlessly complicated and has way too many subplots. If you can even call them subplots, I don't really know. Um, So I think one and a half is an entirely fair rating for this. There are many other Christmas movies that I will watch before I watch this one ever again. Uh, that I will agree with you on. Um, I hope, at least, that I will watch many before I watch this one again. Um, but we will see. So uh, I think I think that the basics here, um, as per Cheryl, um, it's on Netflix. So if you have that, don't pay for it. Agreed. Yeah, definitely don't pay for it. Agreed. Wait, wait for it to be on the ABC Family Twenty Five Days of Christmas. There you go. Because I'm sure it will be. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But but if it's one of those, um, if you're like me and you have those days around the holidays where you're like, hey, I just want to watch something Christmassy and this comes on, I, you could do worse. You could also do a ton better. So you also take have that for to pay a lot of attention. Also true. Also true. All right. So that is our look at the search for Santa Paws. We survived, guys. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> next year, next year the sequel. Oh, boy. Um, It's not the sequel. This is the sequel that's a prequel. There you go. Uh, If you agree (laughs) with us, disagree with us, or just want to say, you know, thank you for watching this movie so we didn't have to, uh, tweet us at DisFilmProject. You can find us on Facebook, Disney Film Project. You can leave a note in the show notes over DisneyFilmProject.com. Or, of course, you can email us, DisneyFilmProject at gmail.com. Uh, you can listen to the show on Stitcher on Diz Dad's Radio. Some of you are probably doing that right this very moment, and we appreciate you doing that. If you like the show, go and leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. That's very helpful. It helps people find the program. And when people search for things, uh, such as you know, we did our Marvel show a, little, a while back, and if you go and you search for Marvel Phase 3, uh, the more ratings and reviews we have, the more people find our show, and they like it. Uh, and the more people listen and everybody has a jolly good time. So we appreciate that. All right. So uh, that will do it for this week's episode for Todd and Rachel and Cheryl. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you again soon. And just a production note, guys, um, this is our going to be our 
coming up Christmas, Christmas week, so we're going to wish you a happy holidays now. And if you celebrate Christmas, have a great Christmas. If you don't, have a great whatever you're celebrating. Festivus, Boxing Day, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah. And we all thank you for listening to our podcast. Yes, indeed. Happy holidays, everybody. Ta-ta, jingle bells. What the heck? Watch where you're going, you old geezer. We need to find eggnog, gingerbread cookies, fruitcake, things like that. Mr. Hucklebuckle was a great ambassador for the Santa cause. One leaf from the Silver Linden and the Nature Badge is all mine!